Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 56 of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Innes and this week I'm going to be telling you about the scuttling of the German high seas fleet in 1919 just off of the shores of the Orkney Islands at Scapa Flow. So join me for episode number 56 of the Scottish History Podcast. So this week, once again, we return to my favourite place on earth, the Orkney Islands, where 102 years ago, German Admiral Ludwig von Reuter made the decision to scuttle the German battleship fleet at Scapa Flow. Now, Scapa Flow is a large body of water surrounding the Orkney Islands and is perfectly sheltered by the islands of Mainland, Grahamsey, Burry, South Ronaldsey, and hoy. Due to this shelter, the waters can be very calm, even at times when Orkney experiences very high winds. Due to this, Scapa Flow has played a major role for trade, tourism, and of course conflict throughout the course of history. Now, as we already know, Vikings visited and stayed on the Orkney Islands for a long time, and once again, due to its sheltered nature, Scapa Flow became the chief naval base for the British Navy during both World War I and World War II, and remained so until 1956. The majority of Scapa Flow reaches around an average depth of about 30 metres deep, which is about 100 feet, and is no deeper than 60 metres or 200 feet at its deepest point. It is regarded as a natural harbour and covers an area of 324.5 square kilometres, which is 125.3 square miles. Now, I do plan on covering other aspects of Scapa Flow in future, such as uh, the HMS Hampshire, HMS Royal Oak, and of course, uh, touching on the Churchill Barriers on future episodes. So before the move to Scapa Flow, the main British naval bases tended to be in the English Channel. This was to counter the threat from the other European naval powers of the Dutch Republic, Spain and France. 
1904, the decision was taken instead to form a northern base to help control the entrances to the North Sea. The British Navy considered Rosyth in the Firth of Forth, as well as Invergordon in the Cromarty Firth. However, when World War I broke out on the 20th of July 1914, both sites were still completely unfortified. The decision was then made for the base to be the natural harbour of Scapaflow, which itself would remain unfortified as well. Due to the major build-up of the German Kaiserlich Marine's high seas fleet, which consisted of many U-boats, the Admiral of the British Grand Fleet, John Jellicoe, had block ships placed between the islands surrounding Scapa Flow, as well as submarine nets, minefields and concrete barriers. These were there to detect and deter any enemy craft sailing into the waters of Scapa Flow. Now, during the whole of World War I, only two known attempts were made by German submarines to enter Scapa Flow. Neither attempt was successful. In November of 1914, U-boat number U-18 tried to enter but was rammed by a trawler that was being used to help detect submarines. The ramming caused the U-18 to leak and the sub then had to surface. During this incident, one crew member of U-18 died. And in November of 1918, UB-116 tried to enter Scapa Flow, but was foiled by the countless defences that were now in place. UB-116 was first picked up by hydrophones in the water, and then it hit a mine which destroyed the U-boat. All 36 lives on board were lost. After the signing of the armistice on the 11th of November 1918, the Allied powers agreed that the German U-boat fleet should be surrendered without the possibility of its return. However, they did however fail to reach an agreement for what they were going to do with the surface fleet. Now, Both Norway and Spain refused to have the fleet interred in their waters, after which Admiral Roslin Wiems suggested that the fleet be held in Scapa Flow and guarded by the British Grand Fleet. These terms were transmitted to Germany on the 12th of November 1918, along with the instruction to prepare the fleet to sail on the 18th of November. On the 15th of November, the Rear Admiral Hugo Moyer met with the British Admiral David Beatty on behalf of Admiral Franz von Hipper where the terms of surrender of the German high seas fleet were laid out. The U-boats were to surrender at Harwich, and the surface fleet were to surrender to Beatty himself at the Firth of Forth. After which, the fleet was to be escorted to Scapa Flow and interred until the final details of the peace treaty were finalised. Despite Moyer's concerns about the munitious mood of the German sailors, Moyer signed the terms. The U-boats started to arrive at Harwich on the 20th of November 1918, where eventually a total of 176 U-boats were surrendered. Admiral Franz von Hipper refused to lead his own fleet to the surrender and the task was instead delegated to Rear Admiral Ludwig von Reuter. 
On the 21st of November, the U-boat fleet was led by HMS Cardiff to the rendezvous at the Firth of Forth with 370 other vessels of the British Grand Fleet as well as other Allied vessels. Upon arrival in the Firth of Forth, along with the U-boats, there were 70 surface ships present. The battleship Koenig and the light cruiser Dresden both encountered engine trouble and were left behind until they were fixed. The destroyer, the V-30, was sunk during the crossing after it hit a mine. Now, once all the vessels had anchored in the Firth of Forth, Admiral Beatty gave the German ships a message that read, The German flag will be hauled down at sunset today and will not be raised again without permission. The German fleet was then escorted to Scapa Flow between the 25th and 27th of November 1918. In total, 74 ships were interred at Scapa Flow. The ships Koenig and Dresden arrived alongside another destroyer, the V129, which replaced the sunken V30, and they arrived on the 6th of December. The final ship that arrived at Scapa Flow was the battleship Baden on the 9th of January 1919. Once interred at Scapa Flow, the mood on board the German ships was described as one of complete demoralisation by the naval historian Arthur Marder. This was attributed to many factors, including poor quality food that was being sent over from Germany, a lack of any recreation aside from fishing or catching seagulls, this was also uh, their food, as the sailors were not allowed to leave their ships, and also a slow and heavily censored postal service. The sailors were granted 300 cigarettes or 45 cigars every month and had access to their ship's doctor. However, the British Army refused to supply dental treatment. During this time, Admiral von Reuter commanded the interred fleet from his battleship Friedrich der Grosse. However, von Reuter's health started to deteriorate and he requested that he be transferred to the light cruiser Emden on the 25th of March 1919. Now this request may also have had something to do with the fact that any time he tried to go to sleep, he was kept awake by the other sailors on board who would purposely stomp or even apparently roller skate on his cabin roof that prevented him from sleeping. By this point, negotiations were underway at the Paris Peace Conference. France and Italy wanted a share of a quarter of the German ships. However, the British wanted them all to be destroyed. Now, under Article 31 of the Armistice, the Germans were not permitted to destroy their ships in any way. Despite plans being drawn up to move the sailors from the German ships to Nig Island to prevent a potential scuttle of the fleet, these plans were never carried out. On board the Emden, Admiral von Reuter had been reading some old newspapers, which have now started to provide potential details of the impending Treaty of Versailles. In May 1919, von Reuter starts to devise a plan to scuttle his fleet. During the internment, many of the German soldiers had been sent back to Germany. Von Reuter had specifically chosen these soldiers to be sent back so that he could get rid of any troublemakers that may be on board. 
On the 18th of June 1919, a further two transports left Scapa Flow for Germany, now leaving von Reuter with reliable men to carry out his plan. On that same day, he sent a communication to all of his ships, and this was paragraph 11 of that communication. It's, it reads, It is my intention to sink the ships only if the enemy should attempt to obtain possession of them without the assent of our government. Should our government agree in the peace to terms to the surrender of the ships, then the ships will be handed over to the lasting disgrace of those who have placed us in this position. Von Reuter discovered from his out-of-date newspapers that the deadline for Germany to sign the Treaty of Versailles was the 21st of June at midnight. The British Navy were instructed to seize control of the German ships at midnight of the 21st, 22nd of June. However, the deadline of the Versailles Treaty was extended until 7pm on the 23rd of June. Due to this extension, the plans to seize the ships was put on hold. Instead, due to the good weather, the Grand Fleet would instead leave Scapa Flow on the 21st of June to collect torpedoes used in a training exercise and seize the German ships when they returned on the 23rd of June. Von Reuter, however, did not know that the deadline had been extended. The British Grand Fleet set sail from Scapa Flow at 9am on the 21st of June 1919. At roughly 10am, Admiral von Reuter sent out a flag signal to the fleet to scuttle. At around 11.20am, another flag signal was sent. The signal was, To all commanding officers and the leader of the torpedo boats, paragraph 11 of today's date, acknowledge, Chief of the Interned Squadron. The message was repeated by both semaphore and searchlights. At this point, the scuttling began. The ship's crews opened all of the seacocks in the boats to allow the water into the ships. They barricaded doors open, they smashed up internal water pipes with massive hammers, and sewage tanks were opened. They opened all of the portholes, and some ships even had holes bored through the bulkheads to allow as much water in as possible. Now, it wasn't until midday that there was any sign that anything was going wrong. It was at that point that the bell on board of the battleship Friedrich der Gross began to sound. The ship then began to list to the side heavily and then all of the ships raised the Imperial German ensign on their main masts, something which had been prohibited in Article 31 of the Armistice. At that point, the sailors began to abandon ship. The British naval force that had remained at Scapa Flow consisted of two functional destroyers, seven trawlers and a small number of converted fishing boats known as drifters. The British squadron's exercise was cancelled at 12.35pm and all ships were ordered to return to Scapa Flow as fast as possible at full steam. They had started to arrive just shortly after 2.30pm to see only the large ships still afloat. 
The order was placed to beach as many of the ships as possible. The last German ship that sank was the battleship Hindenburg, which sank at 5pm, meaning that 15 of the 16 most important German battleships had been sunk. The only one to remain floating was Baden. Amongst this, four light cruisers and 32 destroyers were also sunk. Unfortunately, nine German sailors who were unarmed were shot and killed along with 16 wounded as they tried to row their lifeboats to the shore. These were some of the final casualties of World War I. British Vice Admiral Sidney Fremantle sent out an order that all surviving sailors were to be treated as prisoners of war for breaking the terms of the armistice. Fremantle met with von Reuter aboard the HMS Revenge to denounce his actions, but von Reuter just looked on, his face completely expressionless. Fremantle did later remark that he did feel an element of sympathy for von Reuter given his position. In total, 52 of the 74 ships that had been interred at Scapa Flow were successfully scuttled. The successfully beached ships were dispersed among the Allied navies for purposes such as reverse engineering to discover their secrets or as target ships to test out new weaponry. Initially, the sunken ships were to be left at the bottom of the flow. However, fishing boats started to get stuck on them in the low tides. And eventually, the price for scrap metal started to go up, which then prompted the local Orkney people to start salvaging the scrap metal from the boats to sell on. In 1923, a salvage company was specifically set up to salvage the sunken ships. And it was around about this time that a man called Ernest Cox came along and bought 26 of the destroyers from the Admiralty for £250, which is roughly about £12,000 in today's money. As well, he bought the battleships Seidlitz and the Hindenburg. He developed a new salvage technique that was able to salvage 24 of the 26 destroyers. In total, he ended up actually salving 26 destroyers, two battlecruisers and five battleships, selling on his interest to the Aloha Ship Breaking Company who raised a further five ships before World War II came along and stopped all salvage operations. There are still seven ships remaining under the water at Scapa Flow and are now registered monuments. They are now popular sites for divers, however specific permissions and permits must be achieved in order to go diving around these ships. In 2019, three of the sunken battleships, the Mark Grapf, the Koenig and the Kronprinz Wilhelm, were put up for sale on eBay. They each sold for £25,500 each to a Middle Eastern company. A further cruiser by the name of the Karlsruhe, was sold to an English private bidder for £8,500. So folks, this is the part of the podcast where of course I need to tell you once again, 
you need to get yourself to Orkney. You need to get there um, at some point in the future. Make it part of your plans for the future. If you're uh, coming up to Scotland or coming over to Scotland at some point in the next uh, in the next little while, of course, once uh, COVID etc is uh, is all good uh, again, then uh, again, it's a place that I highly highly recommend. Um, there's not just ancient history that I've told you. You know, history near enough, right from the beginning of time to of course the more recent again i will be going into even more recent history uh with the orkney islands with the things i mentioned at the beginning of the uh, podcast with the churchill barriers hms royal oak etc but uh, just once again folks i just want to thank you very much for listening if you want to contact me uh, or if you want to you know catch up with any of the previous episodes you can do so via the website which is www.scotthistorypod.com that's scotthistorypod.com from there you can catch links to everywhere from the facebook page twitter instagram etc also if for any reason you are enjoying this podcast please uh, consider supporting the podcast through the patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash scotthistorypod all donations on the Patreon go towards uh, the upkeep of the podcast. Uh, it's coming up time where the hosting fees, etc., are going to need to be paid. So uh, all of your support is greatly welcome. However, if you have any suggestions, any questions, whatever, please feel free to send them through to me. You can do so via, again, the website or on the email address, which is scotthistorypod at gmail.com. And if you've got a wee moment of time, if you wouldn't mind leaving me a little review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. And uh, if you've got this link from Facebook or Twitter or whatever, please, please retweet it. Get it out to as many people as possible. It is greatly appreciated. But once again, folks, thank you very, very much for listening. I've been Owen Innes and I will speak to you again next time. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.